This is a Federal News Network podcast. As sophisticated as air transportation has become, the most basic mistakes can still occur, like the time an Alaska Airlines flight landed using a taxiway and not the runway. That prompted the FAA to turn to my next guest. She led a team that developed a whole new system for, well, we're going to let her tell you. Emily Bonuelos is a team manager for the Runway Safety Group at the FAA and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. And she joins me now. Ms. Bonuelos, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. First of all, tell us about the Runway Safety Group. I guess people probably don't realize at first glance the FAA's concerns are not just the skies, but the tarmac right below the tower. Right, absolutely. That's where all the airplanes come together is on the surface. Uh, So the FAA Runway Safety Group, our mission is to ensure surface safety at towered airports around the country. Uh, We do this in several ways. We collect data on surface events, runway incursions, runway excursions, and surface incidents that happen on taxiways. We analyze that data to identify potential risks. Then we work with stakeholders to uh, recommend mitigations for those risks. The mitigations could be procedures, technology, infrastructure, sometimes just best practices or reminders to pilots, controllers, uh, vehicle drivers uh, to help mitigate those risks. And then we evaluate the effects of those mitigations on surface safety. Because sometimes the planes just simply clip each other because the wings are so long, and uh, that seems minor, but it can ground, it probably does ground at least two flights and takes planes out of service, and there's potential danger to to safety of people maybe nearby, you know, ground workers. Yes, absolutely. Getting to the Alaska incident, how in the heck does a modern trained pilot in these sophisticated jets end up on or not on the runway when landing? Right. Uh, We talk in aviation a lot about human error, and that's, I mean, this is truly a human error. That makes it sound simple, and it's not. Uh, there's, you know, many, many layers of procedures and training and technology and um, mitigations between the pilots and the air traffic controllers, enough eyes on the system, you would think it shouldn't happen. But uh, there are things that make it very difficult to identify. From the pilot perspective, Seattle specifically has a very interesting phenomenon when the surface is wet and the sun is reflecting off the clouds in the winter months. Uh, can wash out the entire surface, so it's very difficult to see the uh, the normal runway markings, the paints, and during daytime, you don't really see the lights. Uh, so these pilots were uh, doing a sidestep to a parallel runway and doing so visually, and they didn't have some of those visual cues and selected this really nice, long, clean piece of pavement, which happened to be the taxiway. So even in this day and age, with all of this instrumentation and augmentation and this and that system, it's still often a visual, there it is, that's where I'm going to aim type of activity? Yes, it can be. Wow. So tell us what your team did when this happened. I mean, that was a really bad incident, potentially. I guess no one was killed or injured, but they sure could have been. And so what did the FAA do? What was the response and what did you do then? Right. The regional administrator, uh, who's David Sumi in Northwest Mountain Region, which is where Seattle's located, convened a group of people, probably 30 to 40 of us, in the Taxiway Tango Tiger team. That's the, the team I'm representing for this Service to America medal. And we looked at a whole bunch of different mitigations, a lot of which had been tried before. There had been three previous landings on Taxiway Tango since it had been, been built. So there's about a 10-year break, and then this event happened. So all of those previous mitigations were thrown back out on the table, and, you know, what do we want to try again? What can we try that's new? 
what my team did, we took an existing surface surveillance technology. It's called ASDX, is the specific um, it's airport surface detection equipment model X. I don't know what model X means, but that's its name. It's currently at 35 locations around the country and it monitors the surface uh, and it provides alerts to controllers in the tower cab for conflicts on the runway. So that's its primary function right now. We took that um, alerting capability on the runway and applied it to taxiways. So now, uh, in addition to the system predicting to a runway when an aircraft is coming in to land, it can also predict when that aircraft is lined up on a taxiway for landing. We're speaking with Emily Bonuelo. She's team manager for the Runway Safety Group at the FAA and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. And to take a system like this that you said was monitoring the runways, what's required? How much work does it take to make it apply somewhere else? It sounds simple. I have a feeling it's one of those really complicated tasks. The basics are pretty simple. So we have a, a predictive function to the runways. It involves designating a taxiway as a landing surface and applying that predictive algorithm software uh, to the taxiway. So that's kind of the simple part. For each site out there, each of those 35 airports, the engineering team in Oklahoma City goes in and does an optimization process. So they look at historical flight tracks um, into the airport and draw these regions or little kind of polygons, boxes, that the uh, the radar target would fall into, and that's part of the predictive algorithm. So they go and optimize these boxes to collect only the aircraft that are landing on the taxiways. Turns out that can be kind of hard to predict based on how aircraft typically approach the airport. Sure. So the success that you have is when nothing happens. So it's kind of a difficult thing to prove, I imagine. (laughs) I think that's the safety game. We don't want anything to happen, so it's hard to prove success sometimes. And let's talk about you for a moment. How did you get into this type of work? What is your own background? I started uh, flight training as a pilot, and then I was picked up by the Federal Aviation Administration as an air traffic controller. So my training with the FAA uh, was in air traffic entirely. I started at a combined facility in up-down, so a tower and a radar. And then I came out here to Seattle Approach, which is a radar facility only. And then from there, I moved into runway safety. Do you still get behind the uh, propeller once in a while and fly? (laughs) No, um, I haven't done that in years since my kids were born. Um, It's a lot of fun, though. (laughs) Well, you'll get back to it once they're old enough. They're not dependent anymore. You'll crank up the prop. I guess air traffic control uh, has really changed a lot, too, hasn't it, over the years? It is changing. Uh, It's changed a lot since I started just uh, a little over 10 years ago. Uh, We have a lot more of the um, RNAV, area navigation approaches. GPS is being used a lot more in not just the commercial carriers, but the general aviation carriers as well. So that's changing how air traffic works, sequences traffic in and out of the airports. And even earlier in your career, you were aboard planes in another capacity. Yes, I started my aviation career kind of by accident um, as a flight attendant. And I say by accident, it was never in the plan. I just... um, was looking for jobs out of college, and a friend of mine started flying as a flight attendant, and it sounded fun, Uh, so I did. It was so much fun that I started uh, flight training to fly airplanes. Well, I guess it's better to be in the cockpit than in the aisles in the back, huh? (laughs) Customer service is hard work, no doubt about it. And getting back to the system that you deployed for the region to avoid these incursions onto the taxiway, is that something that's going to happen nationally for every airport? Every airport with ASDX. So there are 35 airports that have this system. 
um, we're going to them one by one and doing that optimization process that I described. We have 11 sites that are active right now, uh, hoping to bring two more on by the end of this week, and then we're working our way through those 35 sites nationally. Wow. So it started at, I guess, SeaTac. Would that be the right airport? Yes. So yes, these 35 correct. tend to be the big ones like O'Hare and LaGuardia and, and Idlewild. Yes. Yes, exactly. And what's your next project going to be? I'll let you know when I figure that out. Well, how about avoiding seawalls, maybe? That, I remember Boston oh, a long time yeah. ago. Uh, the seawall caught a couple a of planes. One. All right. Well, we yeah. thank you for all that work. Uh, as a member of the flying public, I thank you. Emily Bonuelos is a team manager for the Runway Safety Group at the FAA and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals Program. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this story and a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. (coughs) Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. We all have a lot on our plates. Work, kids, relationships. And sometimes it can be hard to just catch a breath. When life is go, 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 it matters where you stay. Hilton's family of brands is team members dedicated to making you feel truly cared for so you can mentally check out before you even check in. Take the break you deserve and book your next stay on Hilton.com. Hilton for the stay.